Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Pastor Jimmy said, could I preach because they were living because he really wanted his congregation to experience white-knuckled faith. <laughs> so now you're going to get to listen to me. And uh, that's really, I am, I am Brian Doyle. I am Tyson and Reagan's granddaddy. That's how, that, that's who I am. And of course, da- Kristen's daddy. Uh, but to give you a little bit of just quick background before we get into the message, uh, I was uh, pastoring one of the pastors of 11 pastors in a First Baptist Church, Fort Lauderdale, 13,000 member church. I had a few uh, jobs there. I was pastor of evangelism, uh, pastor of senior adult, head of pastoral care, and neighborhood pastor. So uh, I had a lot of time to do a whole lot of things, right? <laughs> so we, we really enjoyed being there, and we came up uh, to Georgia to be with uh, our grandchildren. We have five of them. And Connie and I are so blessed to be here. And Connie's been here two years. And I praise God that, that uh, we have found a church home. And uh, we just, so far, have just really been blessed by being here. And what a great sermon we heard today. That was an awesome, awesome sermon. And, uh, you know, the law is only a shadow. And Pastor's right. It's... It, you know, because of those shadows, it seems like the real thing. Uh, sometimes we can get deceived by it looks like the same, feels like the same, and even promises some of the same. But I think one of the things that Pastor Jimmy said that made a, just a great, great, he made a great statement, that a shadow is dark, and the real thing is Jesus, and he is light. And uh, praise God for that. Connie and I were saved a good while ago, I want to tell you how we were saved. Uh, a couple of, um, uh, there was a couple that played ball with us in spring training, and when we went to New York, um, they could not find an apartment, and Connie and I found an apartment that was two bedrooms. And we said, why don't you just stay with us until you find a place? Well, this couple, they were Christians, and uh, they would wake us up in the morning by us hearing them pray and read scripture together. After the game, we'd come home, and before they went to bed, we could hear them pray and read scripture together. And they lived Christ. They didn't beat us over the head with the Bible. And it was about three quarters through the way of the season, this, the man who played with me was also my roommate on the road. And before a game one afternoon, the Holy Spirit was dealing with me, and I dropped to my knees, and, and the man said, what are you doing? I said, I've got to have Jesus in my life, and uh, I need him as Lord. And so I prayed to receive Jesus, and, and back then, students, we didn't have cell phones. In fact, we didn't have push-button phones, and uh, so I dialed Connie. And uh, she answered the phone, and she was crying. And I said, what's wrong, sweetie? 
She goes, nothing. I just got up to answer the phone off of my knees. I just accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So in different states at the exact same time, uh, Connie and I started growing in Christ. Let's remember about what Pastor Jimmy's been talking about in this series of white-knuckled faith, but especially today about a shadow to come. Uh, If you see here a true love story, the Jewish traditional wedding. There are a lot of times in the Bible when we read portions of the Bible, we need to understand the culture that the writer was writing to and what that really, really means. And tonight, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will see why we're called the bride, the church, and Jesus is the bridegroom. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, and especially me tonight, that I I plead to you. Lord, I give myself to you that you de- uh, that I decrease and you increase. Father, the words that I speak, I know I'll be held accountable. And I truly, truly want to speak the words that are pleasing to you. So that my life can be changed to know you better, to mo- know you more intimately. And those that hear this voice to know you more intimately. So, Father, have your way with me and open the ears and the eyes of those that read and hear your word tonight. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for this part of the bride of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in the matchless name, the mighty name, the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to... uh, Look at this first in Revelation. It's there on the screen. Revelation 19, verses 7 and 8. And it reads this way. And by the way, before I read, I've got some in, in NIV, some in NAS, some in King James. This is a new congregation to me, so I wanted to read from different portions of these and uh, so here it is let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready fine linen bright and clean was given her to wear fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints then the angel said to me right blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb and he added these are the true words of God. So what do scriptures mean when it refers to us or the church as the bride of Christ? And why do the scriptures call Christ the bridegroom or the husband? And what promises does the communion hold for us this wedding as the bride? And you don't have to turn to it, but let me just read this. We're going to read it later on. Matthew 26, verses 26 and 27. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it. And he offered it, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, 
I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day which I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. The disciples understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. And the the reason they understood it was the model of the Jewish traditional wedding. It wasn't something that had just been instituted and was brand new. It had been literally hundreds and thousand years that this wedding contract was instituted. And so the disciples knew exactly what he was talking about. So this sermon goes over the steps that's involved in a traditional Jewish Jewish marriage, and it parallels, listen, it parallels. It shows how Jesus has fulfilled his promise of the wedding and how he will fulfill the wedding incomplete when he returns for his bride. So, Step one, the Hebrew word is ketubah, ketubah. It's the marriage contract. And the man has to leave his father's home and go to the home of the woman and there offer a contract. He'd negotiate the bride price. The bride price. See, women back then were not considered, sorry women, valuable because they couldn't work the fields. They couldn't herd. They weren't shepherds. But the bride price was what the father of the bride would come up with depending on how expensive this woman was to him. If she was a, today's word, diva, if she, if she was someone that was high maintenance, the bride price was going to be pretty high. If he knew that the groom, the father knew that the groom really loved this bride-to-be, the price would even go higher. And that was considered not an insult at all. In fact, to the groom, they were very proud. He was very proud to pay a very high price for his bride-to-be. It was the ketubah, and it gave honor to the family. Now, where are you going with this, Brian? Here's where I'm going with the contract, the ketubah. Our bride price was the highest ever given. Jesus Christ died for the bride so that he could have a beautiful and even more so virgin bride. He paid the highest price that any groom has ever paid. He died for the bride. Look at 1 Corinthians 6.20. Paul states, For you've been bought with a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then in Acts twenty twenty eight, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. What higher price could one pay? How valuable you and I are to the groom. Inconceivable. For if a groom literally died, he couldn't get married. But praise God, Jesus Christ died for us to make us a perfect bride. And he rose again. And you're going to see how he will claim his bride in coalition with the old tradition of the Jewish wedding. Really, really good. In the Jewish tradition, next slide, in the Jewish tradition, the man would then pour a glass of wine and give it to the woman. If she accepted his contract, she would drink of the cup, which would seal the contract, making it complete, and legally binding. And then it says, and goes on and says, and although, although there was no consummation or physical union between the two yet, they were regarded as husband and wife from this moment on. She was, be, uh, she was considered to be consecrated, set apart, or sanctified exclusively unto the husband. What's another word for set apart? Holy. Holy. That's why we're called holy. We've been set apart. Set apart. That's why Jesus said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We've been set apart. Very, very, very important. In Matthew 1, 18 and 19. Switch, please. Yep. Now the birth of Christ Jesus was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. See, this marriage had not been consummated. This marriage was the traditional Jewish marriage. And he loved her, talking about another true love story, he loved her enough to take her away privately so she would not be disgraced, 
so he could continue to love her and be a husband for her. What true love was shown? That Joseph loved Mary enough to not go by the written law, but by the spirit of the law. See, it's like this. Jesus left his heavenly home. He left his father's home and he came to the bride's home, earth. And he came and he signed and gave a new contract and he gave his disciples the bride, the cup of wine. And the disciples drank that cup, sealing the contract. That's exactly what happened. And then Jesus, we'll see later, they're asking him, you say you're going to leave. He goes, let me tell you something. I've got to go. In my father's house are many mansions. And what it really means are rooms. Because the Jewish father would take the son back to his house and build a room, an addition to the home. Now, Connie and I, and I've gone over to Israel quite a bit, And if you go over to Israel, all through Israel, the homes still have rebar sticking out the sides and out the top of the homes. You know there are sons that live in that home. The homes aren't finished because the son one day will marry and there will be additions added to that home. How many have been to Israel and seen something like that? Anybody here? You've seen the rebar sticking out. They have sons in that home. That's pretty cool. Let's go to Matthew 26, 27, and 28. There you go. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sin. Hold on to it. Next slide. This is the New Testament. This is the new covenant. We drank the wine accepting his contract, his bride price for us, and we now belong to him. We're set apart. We're exclusively Christ's own. Now here's a key point. Read these next sentences. Not when we die, nor at the rapture, or later when we get to heaven. We're his bride now. We're his bride right now. We've been set apart. We're holy. Do you see yourself as holy? Do you see yourself as holy? See, sometimes we get words kind of mixed up, don't we? Holy means Boy, that's perfect. Now, holy means you've been set apart for a purpose. 
He died and you became the bride for a specific purpose. Each and every one of you. If you've accepted the contract. If you've accepted the contract. And that's accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, marrying Him. It is He and He alone. That's the contract, the New Testament. Here's step two. The period of separation. Hang with me here. Jesus, or a Jewish man, the groom would go to the bride, the contracts accepted, the wine was drank, and then the groom would leave. And for a, usually a period of a year to two years, they would not see each other. And he would go back to his father's house And start building the home for his bride. Look at John 14, 1 through 3. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Next slide. Neither the bride nor the groom knew when the groom would return. For the bride, because the bridal chamber that he was preparing for his bride had to be approved by the father. Look at Mark 13, 31 through 34. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knows no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. So take ye heed, watch and pray. For ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Let's go to the next slide. You know this. Let me just speak to it. It's the parable of the ten virgins. See, the groom would leave. And he could not go back to get his bride... Until the father said, go and get your bride. Jesus said, we just read, no man knows. I don't even know when that time is. Nobody except the father. So now he gives this parable about the ten virgins. Five are ready. Five are not. And so the groom comes and he shouts... The Word of God says, and a horn's going to be blown, the shofar. And the groom ritually came at night. That's why they had to have the lamps and the oil. 
And so five of them go to the other five and says, give us some of your oil. And the other five said, no, we're not. You've been foolish. You're not ready. And so they tried to go. And what does scripture say? The door was closed. How much oil do you have? We don't know when Jesus is coming. Your lamp trimmed? Have you got enough oil? See, the bride during all this time is purifying herself. She's learning from her mother and from elder women during this one or two years of how to be a perfect bride. And she wants to be absolutely ready when the groom calls. When he comes for her, she wants to be ready. Next slide. I want you to see something. Here's step three. Now this is pretty cool. But before we read this, here's another tradition. The groom would go, it'd be one or two years before he even's going to see his bride. So to make sure that she is not getting antsy, he would send her gifts. And, and the gifts would be perfume. Uh, the gifts would be clothing. And where she would go, all right, he hadn't forgotten me. Boy, these are nice gifts. Jesus left. He went to be with the Father. And he sent us gifts. Telling us, prepare yourself. I still love you. And I'm going to come back to get you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remember, to remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Next slide, please. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith. Young people, students... I'm an old guy now, and it took me a while to figure out the main gift that Christ gave me. Don't wait as long as I wait. Find out your spiritual gift. And the reason I'm telling you this is because you will never have that unspeakable joy, joy that you can't even describe until you operate in that gift that he gave, he's given you. I mean, I'm from Kentucky. I don't know about Georgia, but I call this chicken skin. I'm getting chicken skin right now. There is no more joy for any one of us that finds the spiritual gift that the bridegroom has given, and for us to operate in that gift 
You cannot find more pure joy than that. Being in the will of God is so wonderful. Young people, I urge you. Well, you don't know your gift. Well, what's the last in our logo here? What's the last word in the logo we're supposed to be doing? What? See, I learned this in playing baseball. I didn't know I was a shortstop. I first started playing I was in, in center field. But here's the key. I was playing the game. I wasn't sitting the bench. You don't know what your position is if you're sitting the bench. You can only know what your position is if you're playing the game. Everybody hear that? Well, I don't know what gift it is. Well, then start playing. Start playing the game. Holy Spirit's going to show you where you're supposed to be planted in the body of Christ. Play the game. Don't sit on the bench. You will find out your position. Everybody hear that? That's eight-year-olds and 88-year-olds. And then you can talk to me later if I'm stepping on toes. All right? So, like the bride would watch for her husband's return, keeping the oil in the lamp, and anxiously waiting for his return, understand that Jesus is still sitting at the right hand of the Father during all of this. Next one. The mikvah. Everybody say mikvah. 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 The cleansing bath. The cleansing bath that Christ has provided for his bride during this time of separation is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm a Southern Baptist preacher. I'm not the other type of preacher, okay? You get that Holy Spirit. But understand something, that baptism is not something we Baptists made up. Remember John the Baptist? He didn't baptize because you were believers in Christ. He baptized for the remission of sin. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For the remission of sin. Where did baptism come from? From two places. The bride would be baptized and washed. The priest at the temple would be baptized before they could even sacrifice animals. Baptism is a Hebrew, thousands of years old, Act. In fact, the son and uh, the groom and the bride would be baptized together. That was a Hebrew act. Does our baptism, what we do right back there, does that save us? You better say no. Say no. No. That baptism's like this. I wear this. It's a sign. If I put this in my pocket, am I still married to Connie? But I'm going to show that I'm in covenant with her. 
and I get baptized because I show not only the burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, not only coming out of buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life, but that one day when this body dies, I too, like my husband, like my Lord, like my Savior, will rise as He rose. Very, very important, very important that the cleansing bath... Go ahead, next slide. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He... Ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Next one, please. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. This is step five. With the voice of of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen and amen. Here's a big one. This him coming for the bride. Just as the groom comes for the the bride in Hebrew weddings, here he comes at night. He shouts, I'm coming. And he blows the shofar. And now the bride quickly gathers her things together and they go off to the room that the father and he made together. It was only when the father said, son, go get your bride. Now check this out. We don't know the time. Jesus is sitting at right hand of the Father. He's going to take his head and he's going to turn it to the right. And he says, son, go get your bride. It's just like the Hebrew wedding. And Jesus is going to come with a... Shout! And the horn's going to be blown. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who aren't dead will meet Him in the air. Then we go back with Him and we are going to have a wedding feast. It's going to be something. The bride is there with the groom and there's a feast. And it says, and friends will be all around. Let me ask you a question. Who's going to be at the wedding feast that's invited? We're the bride. Who's the guest? Think. Who would be the guest? It's going to be pretty cool now. This will get you all excited. Let's see. Abraham was saved by faith. It wasn't through the blood of the Lamb. Abraham will be a guest. 
Moses will be a guest. Joshua will be a guest. Aaron will be a guest. Think of the Old Testament saints. They're the guest. We're the bride. That's pretty cool. The wedding supper of the Lamb. So let me finish with this. Next slide, please. Here are the big questions. It's not a matter of if he will come. The question is, when will he come? Only the Father in heaven knows. Are you and I ready? Have you accepted Christ's contract? Did you agree with the bride's price? And how much does Christ love you? See, it's the perfect, true love story. This doesn't mean I'm smart. It means I'm not smart. Because of all of the sermons I have ever heard, I still have every one of them. And I go back and I study those sermons. Now today, Pastor Jimmy said a wonderful thing. And I'm going to state it in my words, and I hope you remember this. Salvation isn't fire insurance. It's a way of life. When we receive eternal life, it is not the end result. Eternal life is a powerful way of life. It's not when I die, I'm going to get to heaven. That's a benefit. But that's not what it's all about. It's all about us listening to our husband, our Lord, our King... Because when he comes back for the bride, it's not gonna have, he's not going to have a sash that goes down here and says, Savior. It's not going to say, Lamb of God. It's going to say, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming back triumphant. Eternal life starts when we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It is a way of life, not an end result. So I'm going to ask you something tonight. How many here has ever looked somebody in the eye, I mean looked them in the eye, and said, Jesus Christ is my King and my Lord. I believe that God raised Him from the dead. Do you know why I'm asking you that question? Because in Romans it says... That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth of confession comes salvation. Belief in your heart comes right standing before God. See, if salvation is some silly little prayer, it doesn't really mean much. You know why? Because Jesus said this, If you don't confess me before mankind, I can't confess you before my Father and His holy angels. See, salvation isn't a private matter. He died for us. He bought us with the ultimate bride price, His own life. And we are supposed to be doing what he says to do. That's why it says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is safe. No, it doesn't say Savior. It says Lord, King. He's boss. I'm the creation. He's the creator. My last word, and we'll leave after we sing and pray. Jimmy stands here every Sunday, and then at the end of the sermon, he walks down here and he asks people to come down. In Baptist circles, you all tell me, this isn't a stage at that time. What's it called? called the altar, isn't it? Say yes. What's an altar for? Death. See, the altar in the Old Testament, that's where they killed uh, animals. It's where the blood was spread. Why do you think that we are here so God can bless us. I'm not saying you do. You know why we're here? So we can bless Him. You don't come to this altar to ask God to do something. You come to this altar to die, and if He loves the smell of burning flesh, and because you're dead in Him, you can ask Him. That's why Paul said this. You should present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable act of service. Do you know what reasonable act of service means? This is what Paul said. I beseech you, which means I'm begging you, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is the least you can do. That's what reasonable act of worship means. It's the least you can do. So how dare we come to the King of kings and Lord of lords and ask him for something without first presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice? See, he was. 
And we are too. Then we go before the throne of God. And we hear what he says. And then we can ask. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what a husband you are to us. You have bought us with the ultimate bride price. You have gone to your Father and you're making rooms right now for us in the Father's house. While you're there, you even sent us gifts to prepare us, the gift of the Holy Spirit, to prepare us to be the bride that you are expecting. Lord God, we come before you bowing, asking that you teach us how to be living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable unto you. Lord, you know, in this situation, this is a new church home for me and Connie. But you also know, uh, Lord, when you start uh, handling me, where my heart starts beating a little bit faster. You're asking me to ask a question to everybody here. Are your lamps ready? Are they full with oil? Are the wicks clean? Ready to be lit? It is you, Holy Spirit, that speaks right now to everyone in this room. Lord Jesus, I'm going to be obedient and just ask this question. I need every head bow and eye closed. In what you've heard tonight and how much Jesus truly loves you, that you've been set apart just for Him, that you've been set apart to bless Him, and through blessing Him, He can bless you. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you also know you need to really get right with Him, allow Him to cleanse you from all unrighteousness so you can be ready if he even come back tonight. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if this is a time to say I need to recommit myself to you, Lord Jesus, just lift up your hand real quick and then put it right back down. I see you. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Thank you. This might be a time that you want to put a spiritual stake down. And that stake is when you you walk up here and you say, I am going to literally be a living sacrifice and I'm going to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. 
And the Word of God says that when we do that, Jesus turns to His left and says, Father, Brian Doyle, or your name, just confess me before mankind. I confess Brian Doyle, or your name, to you and all the holy angels. Oh, what an awesome thing that is. If you've never confessed Him as Lord with your mouth, then raise your hand real quick. All right? That's awesome. Everybody here feels good about that. Praise God, this is Sunday night. I was hoping everybody would feel good about that. That's great. Father, I praise You. I thank you. I'm going to stay here as we sing. Those that raise their hands for rededication, for recommitment, come and shake my hand. Let me pray for you. I thank you that you were bold to raise your hand. Now stay bold and allow Jesus to smile as part of His bride, becomes even more pure. Thank you. Bless this church. Bless Jimmy, Lord, and Trevor as they're away. Keep them safe. Let them come back just on fire because of your Holy Spirit and what they're learning at this retreat. We give you the praise and honor and glory, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.